Hey, Hope City, it's good to be with you today. And during this time, it is a, an interesting season to be in uh, as a culture and as a world. And I find, I don't know about you, but I find that it's easy to kind of get into maintenance mode where you're just keeping the gears turning, keeping the gears turning, keeping things going, right? Or we can find ourselves in survival mode where we're just, we're treading water, treading water, treading water, just trying to keep our, our, ourselves above the water line. And in those seasons of either maintaining or surviving, we do a lot less dreaming. We're not dreaming about things of what could be. And life without dreaming is like life on a treadmill. I hate the treadmill. We're worried about not falling off the treadmill. We're worried about maintaining a speed that is sustainable. And can I just stay in that, in that zone? And, and, and that's all it is. You never get to go anywhere on a treadmill. You never get to go see anything or go on a hike or go see the beauty of God's creation and, and a sense of adventure. You're just stuck on the treadmill. And life without dreaming is like being on this endless treadmill. And I'm wondering today, can we be people who learn to dream again. And when I say dream, I'm not talking about like inception and, and your REM cycles and all those things that you think of in your sleep. I'm talking about your visions for the future. I'm talking about your aspirations, your goals, your passions, the desired outcomes that you have. What are the things that you're dreaming about? Take a moment and think about those things or write them down, tell somebody else. But think about all the areas that we could be dreaming for right now. One is, what are you dreaming for your family? You think about your family. What, what are your dreams for them right now in this season and the seasons to come in the future? You think about your community. What are you dreaming for for your community? And you think about your church. If Hub City is your community of believers, this is your church, your congregation, what are you dreaming for for your church? And this topic of dreaming, I, I sometimes wonder if I find myself dreaming too small. I just dream about maybe owning a house or dream about uh, getting the church back together on Sundays. I dream about someday, you know, going on a vacation again. And as we conclude the story of David today, we're going to see that he had himself a dream. He dreamt about building a temple for God. But even in the midst of having that dream, he discovered that God wanted him to dream bigger. And we're going to discover what it means to dream big today. And, and so we're not just dreaming about little things and keeping it small and concise and controllable, but what it means for us to be people who dream big. And the first step of dreaming big that David uh, models for us in his story that we're going to look at is this idea of we need to break away from ourselves. We need a moment of breaking away from our own dreams, our own self, our own desires. We need a moment where we separate from my dreams and God's dreams. And, and I think that that's important because maybe, maybe, just maybe, my dreams are just mine. Maybe it's me that wants that. That's my desired outcome. It's my goal. It's my aspiration. And could it be that maybe my dreams are not exactly what God has for me and I need to separate from them. I need to break away from them. That's the very first thing in dreaming big. We need to break away from my dreams so that I can pursue God's dreams. What does God have for your family? What does God have for your community, for your church, for you? And it's thinking about those things so that I can begin to experience that breakaway just like David did. And we see that in 1 Chronicles 28, starting in verse 2. David has assembled all the people of Israel. It's towards the end of his reign, the end of his life. And in 1 Chronicles 28, King David rose to his feet and said, Listen to me, my brothers and my people. 
I had it in my heart to build a house as a place of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord, for the footstool of our God. And I made plans to build it, but God said to me, you are not to build a house for my name. Boom, there's a breakaway moment. He's breaking away from David's plan and beginning to see what God's plan is for him. This could also be called the but God moment, right? If you wanted to replace it with breakaway, you could call it a but God moment. The I wanted to build a temple, but God wanted me not to do that. It was going to be Solomon to do that, right? I wanted to go to Tahiti, but God wanted me to go on a mission trip. I wanted my kids to go to a big state university, but God had them go to this tiny little Bible college over here. I wanted this and God wanted that. It is these but God moments that can actually be very uh, revelatory for us and, and, and open our eyes to, wow, I need to break away from my heart, my plan, my dreams here. And that's exactly what happens for David. He breaks away from this desire to say, I wanted to be the guy that built it. I wanted this place for God to be honored and worshiped. And there is nothing wrong with wanting that. In that ancient time, it was very common. Kings would build monuments and structures and temples to honor their gods and their deities. It would have been totally normal protocol for David to have done this. No one would have looked at him wrong. In fact, the other texts that we read about this story there's nothing to show us that he had impure motives or an impure heart. It wasn't some sort of gesture to solidify uh, for himself, and it wasn't sinful in any way. But God says no. And that's where I think some of us can relate. We have these dreams, these ideas that are so exciting. Oh, man, we just start to, to almost fantasize about what it could become and how these things could grow and manifest to be so exciting and awesome and incredible, and we want to be a part of that. And then God says, no. It's not sinful or selfish, but for some reason, God didn't see the good that you saw, and he said, no, and we don't understand why. Why not me? Why not now? Why not, God? Why wouldn't you do this? God's, uh, excuse me, David has experienced this moment of breakaway, and what's really happening is his dream has become broken. And that's what hurts about this. When God says no or we, we experience this breakaway moment from ourself. It's, it, there's a part of our dreams that have to die. They have to break. They have to be broken. And when our dreams are broken, it hurts. It feels like a part of us is dying inside. A part of our identity has been lost. And so that's why it is difficult for this very first step of dreaming big to just break away from what we want to dream about, what we want to see happen. That is difficult and hard, and our culture tells us that that is a lonely road. There's an anthem by Green Day from years ago called The Boulevard of Broken Dreams. It's a very catchy song that people of my, my age grew up, we just listened to this, and it became this anthem that we would kind of declare to ourselves whenever things, disappointments and brokenness and loneliness and all of this it would happen. And these lyrics of, I walk this lonely road, the only one that I have ever known, I walk this empty street on the boulevard of broken dreams. Culture says that broken dreams means you're a failure. Broken dreams means you're alone. Broken dreams means you're living in a state of depression and emptiness. Your dreams are broken, so you're broken. But God isn't in the midst of doing that with David. He's just telling him, your dream of building the temple, David, I'm gonna break that because I've got something different for you. Because sometimes holding on to your dream and God's dream at the same time is not compatible. It's not going to work. David couldn't be the one to build the temple and also have Solomon build the temple at the same time. 
There is no way that would be possible. There is no way that some of our dreams and God's dreams for us can go hand in hand. And so we have to learn to let go and break away so that we can grasp what God's dreams are for us. I'll give you a personal example. Years ago, I wanted to plant a church in Seattle. I thought I was going to be the guy to create this hip, happening new four-square church down there in Seattle. And we were going to make it click. We were going to make it work. Right out of our living room, we were just going to see this thing explode. And I was a young leader, and I was very passionate, very arrogant at the time, too. There were a lot of things that had to be worked out in me. I wanted to start a church in Seattle, but God had something different in plan and in store. It was in the midst of that pursuit and that, that journey of trying to, to kickstart this, this dream that I had, and, and in the middle of that, God got my attention. There were some staff transitions around us, some, some people left, a lot of questions start coming up, and, and I just had some moments with God that were very honest and very real and, 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 and pivotal for me. It was a moment of breakaway for me because it was in those moments with God and in times of worship and prayer that I was able to discover God was trying to get my attention and say, Sean, what have I called you to? I said, oh, God, you've called me to pastor a church in Seattle. It's going to be blah, 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 blah. And he just began in that conversation to simplify it down to, Sean, I've just called you to pastor. Pastoring people, no matter who they are and where they come from, no matter if it's a church that you've created or a church that you've inherited leadership under. Because I had this idea that if I had started it, it would somehow be better. And God broke that in me. And I began to see this breakaway from my dreams to his dreams, from my plans to his plans. And I'll tell you what, it wasn't more than four months later that we'd gotten a call about Burlington and we were moving up here. And that was some almost six years ago that that happened. But I would have never said yes to coming to Burlington if God hadn't had that moment with me where I could break away from my plans. To begin to dream big means I'm letting go of what I want and saying, God, what do you want? And that is the first step in dreaming big. The second that we see in David's story is that dreaming big involves investing in other people. God's dream was for Solomon to build the temple. And so in order for that to take place, David's role wasn't going to be the, the builder, but rather he would be investing in Solomon, who would be the main general contractor, if you will, of this temple. Well, David was going to be the one investing in him and preparing him to do what God had called him to do. In 1 Chronicles 28, verse 5, we see this. It says, all of my sons, of all of my sons, and the Lord has given me many, he has chosen my son Solomon to sit on the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. He said to me, Solomon, your son is the one who will build my house and my courts, for I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father. I will establish his kingdom forever. David is making this declaration. Hey, I wanted to be the guy. I wanted to be the one to build this temple. Would have made sense. I wanted to do it, but it wasn't for me to do. In fact, it was for my son Solomon. My son Solomon is going to be the one to make this thing happen. And as we look in Scripture, there's numerous stories where it's very similar. There is unfinished business that is handed off from the predecessor to the successor. To the one that follows is the one that actually sees these things come to fruition. Abraham has this promise from God that you're going to have more descendants than there are stars in the sky. And yet he, when he dies, he only has two sons. He doesn't have thousands of sons. He has two. 
We look at Moses, and Moses leads the people of Israel out of slavery, out of Egypt, through the Red Sea, wandering the desert, talking about the promised land, giving them the law. But it is Joshua who leads them into the promised land. You even think about Jesus and all the ministry and teaching and, and, and the, the crucifixion, the resurrection, all that happened. And yet it, Jesus even says, I must depart so that the Holy Spirit may be poured out on his people. And that's exactly what happens in Acts chapter 2, is that Jesus ascends into heaven and then what happens? The Holy Spirit is poured out on the early church and empowering them to do the global ministry that the church is intended to do. And so there's numerous times where the guy doesn't get to be the guy that sees it all the way to completion and fruition. And we have to be okay with that. We have to be okay that dreaming big means I'm dreaming bigger than my timeline, than my life, than myself. And so I've got to begin to look for who else can I begin to include in this story? Who else can I begin to include in this dream? Because this dream is not my dream. This is God's dream. And so this is going to involve more than just me. This is going to surpass even my lifetime. And so I'm going to give something to hand off maybe to the next generation or the generation after that, but I'm going to be investing in them, and that investment is intentional. David invests in his son Solomon very intentionally when he gives him the plans for the temple. And we see this in verse 11, where you can almost picture them unrolling the blueprints and sitting there at the table, and look, son, look at this, and look at this, and look at this, and he's pouring over all of these things. In verse 11 and 12, it said, David gave his son Solomon the plans for the portico of the temple, the buildings, the storerooms, its upper parts, its inner rooms, and the place of atonement. He gave him the plans of all that the Spirit had put in his mind for the courts and the temple of the Lord. Verse 19, and this, David said, I have in writing from the hand of the Lord upon me, and he gave me understanding in all the details of this plan. David is investing in Solomon. He's giving him everything that God has given him. He's handing it off to the next generation. Think about that. When we're When we're dreaming big, we are investing in other people. We're giving them the best that we have. Everything that God has given us, all of our wisdom, all of our understanding of the scriptures, we're we're intended to pass those things along. All of our experiences, all of our testimonies that we have of where God has been real in our lives, we are meant to share those things and invest those things into the other people around us. Whether they're older or younger, I don't think it matters to God. But what matters to him is that we are investing in other people with what God has given us. The tools and capacities and skills and spiritual gifts and whatever God has given you, would you give those things to other people and begin to make an investment in them? In the previous summers, we've tried to do this with, we've done summer internships. And when we have interns come up from Bible college, we don't just want them doing our busy work and checking the mail and pulling weeds. We invest in them our best, right? We challenge them with questions. Tell me your testimony, right? Tell me your story of meeting Jesus. We give them opportunity to teach and opportunity to do ministry and execute the ministry. And why, 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 why would we do those things? Because we're investing them We're investing in them the tools and resources and knowledge so they can go do what God has called them to do. David is giving Solomon everything that he has so that Solomon can go do what God has called him to do, what God has called Solomon to do. David's role is just to invest in him. Every Solomon needs a David. And many of you right now are Davids without a Solomon. And we need to go find people that we can go invest our lives into. Who are you discipling? Who are you pouring yourself out to? I guess another way of asking the question is, are our dreams big enough to include other people? 
If your dream is only something that you can do, only something that you can fulfill, I don't know if it's big enough because God is all about investing in other people. The last step of dreaming big is that our dreams have to be God-centered. It's so easy when we're dreaming about things that we want or, or our own goals and aspirations, we get caught up in the, in the tangible or the visual or uh, the, the measurable and all of these different things. And, and our dreaming becomes about maybe how we leave a legacy or how we leave a mark, and it really becomes me-centered. I, I want to own a house. I want to go on vacation. I want to uh, be really good at my job. And, and all of these things really end up becoming about me and, and, and then today's message could then get thwarted and, and become almost this prosperity gospel message where it's, well, just dream things for Jesus and you'll get everything you want. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about this idea that, man, oh man, we've replaced our dreams for God's dreams. We've invested in other people because it's not just an investment in ourselves. And now we're looking at our dreams are centered and pivot around God. That's the pivot point. That's at the nucleus of this dream is that it centers around God. Everything that's in the middle of that is going to permeate to the outside there. David, when we look at this even, he wanted to build this physical structure. And yet God wanted to establish a kingdom. David was all about building a building and, and, and God wanted to build a, a dynasty, a, a kingdom that was going to start with David's family. In verse 20, uh, or chapter 28, verse 7, there's this small statement we read and, and I don't know if you caught it. It says, I will establish his kingdom forever. And when God says that, he's talking so much more beyond just Solomon. This is about not just Solomon and Solomon's kids and Solomon's grandkids and that David could look at it and say, oh, my family lineage is going to sit on the throne. No, what, what God is saying here is that this is going to far surpass even just your immediate family. This is going to go geneal ge generation after generation down the genealogy to Jesus, the Messiah, the King of Kings, the one who would sit on the throne forever. And, and we see this come to fruition and, and the, the, the answer to this prayer, in Luke chapter 1, verse 32, it says, he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high, he being Jesus. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. And so when David heard this, I don't know that he fully comprehended the magnitude of God's promise, but God's dream is centered upon God's kingdom. It is centered upon God and not just David and what David could see and touch and experience and see on a family tree and all of these things that we get caught up on. It's so much more than that. That is a big dream, a big dream that goes beyond what David could imagine to eventually lead us to Jesus, the king of all kings, the one who leads the kingdom that we're all about. You see, God... Centered kingdom is not merely what we can see and touch and measure. It is about his kingdom and not our own kingdom. Jesus talks about this in his final conversation with the disciples and what's referred to as the Great Commission. And he gets them kingdom-minded, kingdom-focused. Think about it. In the moment of victory after the resurrection, they're all hyped up like, yeah, let's go run through a wall for Jesus. And he has to remind them, this is not about you. This is about you engaging and centering around the kingdom of God. And he talks about the kingdom of God, and he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And as surely, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He's telling them, I'm giving you a big dream right here. A dream that far, far exceeds anything you could imagine. You are going to go participate in the kingdom of God. But this doesn't center around you and your personality and, and, and your legacy. This centers around the kingdom of God and the legacy and the glory of Jesus. That's what it's all about. And you see in that text how it all centers on him. What are they teaching? They're not teaching their own axioms and their own skills. They're teaching the things that Jesus taught. They're telling of what Jesus did. Whose power are they tapping into? It is the power of God. Whose authority do they baptize in? It is the power of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And who is with them all the way to the very end? Jesus is with them all the way to the very end. And that same promise for the disciples resonates with us, with us today. That it is the same sort of thing. We are dreaming big in that same way. That our dreams, our goals, our aspirations all center and pivot on the kingdom of God. And sometimes when we talk talk about dreaming for our family, dreaming for our community, dreaming for our church. Gosh, I don't even know where to start, Sean. I don't know how to have big dreams, Sean. What do you mean? And I would say, start with the Great Commission. Start with this text we just read. Reread it. Pray on that text. And look at that and say, what would it look like for the Great Commission to be lived out and realized in my family? That we would go within our family and make disciples. We would baptize. We would teach. And we would be with Jesus. What would it look like for that to be fully realized in our community? What would it look like for that to be fully realized in our church? That's a great starting point. If you don't know how to, where to start with dreaming big, let's start there. Let's start with the Great Commission and, and seeing the kingdom of God come to fruition and being engaged in what he wants to do and building his kingdom and not our own. Because dreaming big is all about breaking away from our dreams. It is about investing in other people, and it is about staying God-centered. So church, I'm going to ask you, can we start dreaming together? Let's begin to dream big together. Let's pray. Jesus, we, just, we, we come to you right now in this moment. We want to dream big. We want to see your kingdom come as it is in heaven. We want what you want. God, and I pray that when all is said and done, the mark that we leave is a mark that points people to you. Not ourselves, not our skills, not our resumes, not our capacities, but God, we want to live lives that point people to you. I pray that everything that we do helps to fulfill your goals, your dreams, your kingdom. Jesus, help us do that, to live that, and to be that. In your name we pray. Amen. For more information, find us at thehubcitychurch.com. Thanks for listening.